0: Can live in a money pit. Money pit.
1: your, pump, your place looks like a dump. You a money pit. Money pit.
0: Up the up your home sweet home
2: The Money Pit is presented by the Angie app. LL Flooring, the official flooring partner of the Money Pit, Bank of America. And the original Super Glue's Super Unix Brush-On.
3: Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
4: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: And what are you guys working on this pre-holiday weekend? The holidays are really close now, and we're seeing all sorts of buzz In the neighborhood as people are forming up their plans and fixing up their places and making everything look so festive. If that's what you guys are into right now, we would love to help. If you are taking on a little repair improvement project, we'd love to help. If you've got anything going on that you don't know how to start, how to get it done, whether you can do it yourself or get a pro, well that's what we do. We're your pros. If you're stuck, we're kind of like your virtual WD-40. We'll get you unstuck with a project. You got to help yourself first, though, by calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, because this is what we do. We've been helping people fix up homes for a lot of years because we learned from our parents, we've learned on the job, and we just love to get it done. I mean, for me, Home improvement is therapy. <laughs> it's a chance for me to get away from the day-to-day. Even though I work in the space and I do a lot of writing and broadcasting, I just love the time when I can pick up some tools and get a project done. So let us know. The number here is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. We are standing by for your calls and your questions. Coming up on today's show, have you ever been surprised by a really big electric bill? Well, there are some really common places that energy is wasted, and we're going to walk you through what they are in today's smart spending tip.
4: And if you're shopping for a home, buying an older home could be a good deal, but only if you're ready for the restoration and repair that definitely comes along with that job. We're going to share some tips for handling buying an older home.
3: And do your faucets sound like they are crying out in pain? You know, faucets that sound like screams or squeals or whistles can get pretty annoying, but they don't have to be. There are some simple steps that you can do to quiet them up. We'll tell you what those are.
4: And you need some help with a renovation, a repair, or maybe a holiday decorating project? Well, we're going to share some expert tips, ideas, and inspiration to help you avoid all that perspiration when it comes to improving your space. So give us a call. Let us know what you are working on so we can help you get that project done.
3: Plus, if you do call us, we've got a great tool to give away to one listener. It's the Arrow T25 Wiremate Staple Gun going out to one listener drawn at random. So reach out to us at 88 moneypit or post your questions to moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first?
5: Marilyn, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you? We are a military family. My husband's in the military, and I'm a stay-at-home mom to five kiddos, and we homeschool. And basically, in the past, when we've moved, we've always bought a house, and uh, basically, you know, thinking that if you pay yourself, it's better than paying someone else. Um, However, we're moving to Illinois this time, and the property taxes are quite excruciatingly high, (laughs) and um, we're just trying to decide if it's better to buy or to rent this time.
3: So do you know how long you, your husband, well, first of all, thank you for your service and your family's service. Do you know how long you will be in uh, the Illinois area?
5: Well, it could be anywhere from two years to three, four, five. You never know with the military, you know?
3: (laughs) Because, I mean, you know what the risk is. If you buy a house uh, and then it turns out you have to move again, if you can't sell it or if, you, if the market turns and it ends up not being worth you, what you paid for it, uh, you could get underwater pretty quick on that. And so in circumstances when you're in the military, I think a lot of times it does make sense to rent because the other thing is you don't want to have to move out of there. Now need to carry two houses, maybe find yourself being a distant landlord to a property. You know, these are all difficult scenarios that you really want to avoid. Um, have you spoken with your accountant about the tax consequences of perhaps renting instead of buying? Because there may be some advantages there.
5: We haven't yet because we just found out a couple of days ago. So,
3: and you know what? You can always you can always rent first. Renting is a is a short term commitment. I, I understand that moving is is a hassle, but you could always rent first, get to know the area. Uh, get more comfortable, and and then make a decision later if it looks like you're going to stay. You don't have to do it all at once.
5: Okay. I guess my hesitation with that is that we have five small children, (laughs) so I'd like to move as little as possible.
3: I would think that better off selling it now, putting it on the market now. Maybe you'll find a cooperative buyer um, who can delay the closing date until you guys are ready to move out. But I wouldn't want to find you stuck not being able to get a buyer, running out of time uh, while uh, your family needs to move on to the new location. So I think a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, as my dad always used to say. So I would try to put that on the market now, and hopefully it'll sell quickly uh, and you'll be able to take your time getting uh, to the new location. And by the way, um, since I can imagine with five kids, you find the house just chock full with stuff, the best way to get your house ready to sell. There's a great article on our website at moneypit.com about this, but conceptually what we'd like to see you do is to try to declutter as much as possible, make those rooms look big and bright. Because anybody that's going to buy your house is going to probably be moving from, say, another crowded house or crowded apartment. You want to make sure it looks like your stuff can, their stuff can fit in there. And then if you have any rooms that need to be repainted, just choose neutral colors for the same reason. Make it look open and inviting, uh, and that will help you sell the property as quickly as possible.
4: Now, I've got John in Missouri on the line. John, what's going on? Well, I've, uh, I live in an
2: old house uh, built in 1892, and it has plastered uh, walls. And I've got a, I had a leak this spring. I had a gutter overflow, and it got behind some flashing. And created created what I call plaster cancer, which okay. is this sort of crystalline stuff that grows out of the plaster. I mean, it didn't make the whole thing fall down. It's just this crystal and i got the leak fixed and uh tried to, i mean I scraped all that stuff off and uh put a uh sealer on it a quick sealer paint you know one of those right alcohol based things and the the cancer keeps going it does, now it's blown that paint off it's not as much but it seems to continue and i wonder if there's something you can do to uh stop that from happening,
3: Sort of tearing a whole plaster down. So the plaster, when it gets wet, there are sort of fingers, so to speak, that wrap around the lath behind it. And when it gets wet, it loosens up. this, This plaster is actually on brick. Oh, it's on brick. Okay. All right. Strike that. So what else could be happening is if it's on brick and the brick got wet the bricks are very hydroscopic, so you could be continually pulling more moisture through there. Are you absolutely certain that you've addressed the leak completely? Because it doesn't sound that way. It sounds like you've still got some moisture in there.
2: It, there could still be some moisture in the brick, I suppose, but it's been super dry here in St. Louis since the end of July. And uh, this I got the thing fixed uh, about the middle of July. Uh, all the all the, the flashing on the, it's on a bay window, all the flashing above that was redone. And uh, it hasn't rained uh, right. pretty much at all since then.
3: How big is the patched area?
2: Uh, it's, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 square feet. It's not huge.
3: And that whole area is, is, is breaking up and, and forming these crystals?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's doing this it's doing this crystal growth thing, which blows off whatever paint you put on the surface of it.
3: I wonder if part of what you're seeing is the paint basically uh, disconnecting or delaminating from the plaster itself.
2: Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the, this cancer sort of grows be- below the paint, but it's my problem is is it it's dried up now. I mean, it hasn't rained, so I'm, I'm, it couldn't possibly leak. It hasn't rained, oh. and. And also, the, the thing is repaired.
3: What I would do here is this. Is I would I would try to strip out all the paint that I could, and I would probably use a paint stripper to get whatever's left behind, maybe a gel-based stripper. And then I would put another skim coat of plaster over it, let it dry really, really well, and then I would prime it with an oil-based paint and then repaint it. Because I think the, the plaster is basically disintegrated in some respects, and I think you're going to have to do some partial rebuilding of that surface.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, because it's, it's you know, the plaster is two layer plaster. It's got kind of a looks like cement the base layer, and then it's got a real fine white layer that that's a, the finish layer. So just re, reapply that.
3: Huh? That's right. After you get rid of any loose material that's there, you really want to make sure you have a solid base, then you can put a new skim coat on it. Okay. All right. I'll give that a try. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
4: Hey, do you like home improvement, but you like free tools better? Well, here's a combination of both. We have a great prize to give away here at the Money Pit today. Going to one lucky listener is the Arrow T25X Wiremate staple gun. I mean, this is the easiest staple gun out there to load. You just simply push a button and it's ready to go. It's really comfortable to use and it's compact and ridiculously handy. This is a great tool going out to one lucky listener today. It's 35 bucks, and you can check it out online.
3: If you'd like to get in on that great giveaway, give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one 888
4: Pit. Now we've got Deanne on the line who needs some help with the windows at her Money Pit. What's going on? I have um, old steel-framed metal commercial windows in my
5: house, and the outside walls are double brick. There's no wood in the outside walls, so these are screwed right into the brick. And we took out one and replaced it, and we had a very hard time doing that. And I don't know if we should replace them or just try to repair them.
3: Well, I mean, if you repair them, they're probably—I can't imagine—they're very energy efficient. So, repairing them and making them operational, you know, could restore some of the function. But I don't think they'll be energy efficient. Um, replacing them is a better option. But of course, as you cited, because they're in built into the wall, it's a difficult installation because you got to get the old ones out. So, is this a project you want to do yourself, or you think maybe you want to you want to have a pro help you?
5: I I used to have a builder's license, but physically I can't do that anymore. So I'd probably hire someone.
3: Yeah, I think you might want to think about doing that because uh, taking out those old metal windows that are screwed into the bricks is an awful lot of work. And also, if you're going to put replacement windows in, they've got to be measured just right and they've got to be installed just right so that they don't leak. And I don't don't think you want that responsibility. You ought to have a pro measure them and install them. I think that's where you'll be assured they'll come out just right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money pit. Well, when you open your electric bill, does that experience give you a shock of another kind? You know, <laughs> figuring out how to reverse that trend starts with understanding where the heck all that power is going, especially because a good portion of that juice might be going to places that you are not even aware of.
4: Yeah, so to help, here are three areas where we do see a lot of wasted energy. First of all, I'm going to talk about something called vampire appliances. And no, they're not left over from Halloween. I'm talking about appliances that are energy suckers like a vampire. You know, they're always plugged in. They're constantly drawing energy, whether you use them or you're not using them. So the solution to that is using a power strip that you can turn on and off when those appliances aren't being charged.
3: Next, there are appliances that are truly energy hogs. These are the big appliances like the dishwashers, the clothes washers, the clothes dryers. That seem to have really insatiable appetites for electricity, and they can really drive your electricity bill way up. So a couple of tips. Run your dishwasher and clothes washers at full capacity only, and always use low heat for the dryer. Now, when the appliances start to age out, replace them. Older appliances use vastly more power than modern Energy Star appliances, which are also quieter and more efficient.
4: Yeah, and I think another spot that seems obvious but a lot of people forget to sort of really take account here is lighting and ceiling fans. Now when it comes to lighting, people often make the mistake of using lights to brighten that entire room, but efficient lighting is only going to provide light specific to certain areas like your couch or your chair or the kitchen table or even workspaces. So you want to make sure that when you're putting on the lights around your house that you're only lighting the rooms that you're in and for the specific purpose of the area that you're in, like the task lighting. Then go around the space and switch out incandescent bulbs for leds the costs have come way down to purchase an led bulb and then you're going to save a ton of money by using them and then lastly you can replace your old switches with occupancy or vacancy sensor switches which is great for kids rooms basements, the bathroom. I feel like kids go into these spaces, they turn on every single light that they own, and then just walk away and go and do the same thing in another space. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. I can follow my kids by just finding the lights everywhere.
3: I can hear my dad, you know, so many times when we were in the car, leaving the house, and he'd look up at one of our rooms and go, you left the light on again. (laughs) Well, now that'll never happen because it'll automatically turn off. And that's today's smart spending tip. Presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards credit card. Apply for yours at slash more rewarding.
4: Robert's on the line with a question about insulation. How can we help you? Yes, I, I have a pier
1: and beam home, and the insulation, I happen to be up in there sealing my ducts and my air for my air conditioning in the house. And I happen to be up there looking at the insulation, and it was real thin, and it had a white backing on it. And it was only about an inch high. And I thought, wow, I need to put some insulation in there. So I went to my local lo I went to my local Lowe's store and I, I rented the machine from them and I bought the blown insulation. Okay. And I bought like twenty bags and I just started blowing it in. And uh, that was approximately ten, twelve years ago. I happened to be up there again this year, looking around, and I noticed that it has kind of compressed and turned into little tiny BBs. And I've heard y'all talk about insulating the attics of people's homes, but I didn't know what how to go about trying to put something else up there if I need to vacuum all that stuff out of there and try to lay some actual good insulation and what the number would be?
3: Well, if the insulation has settled, I mean, generally speaking, you want 15 to 20 inches of insulation. If it's settled. So now it's a lot less than that. You can either remove it and put new insulation in, or you could add an additional layer on top of it, depending on how difficult, I guess, it is to work up in, in that space.
1: Right. It's pretty tight in some of the spots. Yeah. That was the reason I went with the blown.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, so I I think what you probably want to do is just supplement what's there. It's not unusual for it to settle over, over the years a little bit, but perhaps you need to add uh, a little bit more to that space. That'd probably be the least a complicated way of improving that insulation right now, given the fact that you've already got blown in there, Robert. Now, I've heard some
1: other insulation questions asked on your show because I listen to it, you know, every Sunday religiously. And I've heard them talk about laying them in between, but I've also heard them going over the top of the beam.
3: So if you have fiberglass insulation that's, um, that's flush with the ceiling joists, let's say you had like two by eight ceiling joists and you had maybe eight inch bats laid in between those ceiling joists, to put the next layer of insulation on top of it, we always advise that you do that perpendicular. So you go the other way, the opposite way and across the beams at like a 90 degree angle. In your case, it sounds like it's all covered already with blown in insulation. Is that insulation above the ceiling joists right now or is it settled down below it? No, it's
1: settled down way below it.
3: Okay. So if it's settled down below it, then maybe you could add another you could add some unfaced fiberglass bats if you think you can get those up in there and lay those perpendicular to the beams.
1: Okay, that was going to be my next question. If it needed to be unbatted, if it, you know, or if I did buy the batting. In certain areas, what I want the batting up, what I want that paper down.
3: No, you want unfaced because the moisture barrier goes towards the living space, and that's already inaccessible now because it's going to be the ceiling um, that's under all of that blown in. So if it, and if it's, if you would think it's, if you think it's about flush with the top of the ceiling joist right now, then I would just add a second layer perpendicular to that, and you can do that with bats.
1: Okay, that'll work. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much.
3: Wendy's
4: online from West Virginia with an interesting project. How can we help you? Hi. Um, I am interested in purchasing a property that uh,
0: was formerly a golf clubhouse. And I'm curious what
4: uh, would be the pros and cons uh, between a commercial and a residential. As far as purchasing or the use of the space once you get it? What is the
0: difference in, um, like, a commercial
4: versus a residential building,
0: I'm trying to find out, you know, are there big differences in the way that they're built? Like, is that a plus? Are they built extra sturdy kind of thing?
3: Assuming that they were both built to code, commercial codes are usually more stringent than residential codes. So, I mean, I would expect a commercial building to be built as well, if not better, than a residential property. Um, but it also has a lot to do with the zoning, you know, what what you're allowed to do with that space. Um can you have a residence? Can you have a residence in a commercial space? Maybe you know that's a question for your local zoning officials for you to thoroughly understand. And if it is zoned commercial, it may have a higher value than it would if it was zoned residential. And if you turn it back into a house, you might devalue the property. So I think there's some economic questions there. But in terms of how it's built, I mean, generally speaking, it's going to be as built as well or better assuming that the construction followed all the relevant building codes i think the trickier part of this is to take a commercial s- space which is kind of sterile and making it you know feel warm uh, like a home would, and, and that's kind of a decor challenge, right, Leslie?
4: Yeah, but I think with the golf clubhouse, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wendy, they kind of have like a residential homey feel to begin with, so I think you might have, you know, some good bones to work off of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of that lodge feel. Well, I think that's a good place to start. Now, I think part of your challenge is going to be modifying your kitchen because you're probably dealing with a larger commercial space, so that'll be something that'll probably be a, a full gut renovation and sort of a redo to make that more residential and perhaps a kitchen-slash-dining area or a kitchen-slash-eat-in area, Um, I think the benefit is you've got this tremendous space that was built very well as far as code goes, as Tom mentioned, so that you can really work within that. And it sounds like it's probably sitting on a great piece of land, too. It is. Beautiful. Thank you for the advice.
3: Well, if you've shopped for a home lately, you know that they're growing more expensive, but you might not know they're also getting older. In fact, the average age of a house in the U.S. today is 39 years old. And if you've been shopping for a home and put off by high prices, some of those older homes can present a more affordable option. But you need to keep one thing in mind. Older homes need more maintenance, and that's going to cost some money.
4: Yeah, so if you are buying an older home, trust me, those home repairs are gonna come. So here's a good way that you can navigate that whole process. First of all, you've gotta pay close attention during your home inspection. You need to be there, you need to be a good listener, you gotta ask questions. It really is a great chance for you to learn about how that house works and how that house is made. But you've gotta beware of cost overruns. Now, it's an unwritten rule of home renovation. No matter how thorough that estimate seems, you are likely to discover new issues. They're going to cost money, and some of them are going to be very expensive because sometimes you never know what's behind that wall or what's further into that process. And quite frankly, they can be surprising and expensive.
3: Four most expensive words while you're at it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, the other thing is you could consider, if you know you're up against some pretty significant costs, you could consider... What's generally called a fixer upper loan if you deplete your savings for down payment that's going to leave you no cash to pay for repairs so a possibility is an FHA 2 or 3K loan type which is a mortgage that lets you borrow the purchase price and some construction costs based on the post-renovation value of the property. And I think it all folds into a normal mortgage when that project is done. You can also look for some other sources to help. There's state and local home improvement programs. There's historic preservation loans and energy-efficient updates that can be provided with low-cost loans. A lot of municipalities offer breaks in property taxes, too, if you pick up an older home and renovate it. So just be aware of that. Good opportunity to buy an older house, but you are going to be facing some uh, significant expenses. And that's, again, why you need to get a home inspection and really pay close attention during that to make sure you understand exactly what you're up against.
4: Hey, on the Money Pit, you get answers to all of the questions you've got about home improvement, but you also get a chance to win a great prize. This hour, we've got up for grabs the Arrow T25X Wire Mate Staple Gun. It's going to come with all the staples that you need pretty much. It's a $35 prize pack, and it's going out to one lucky listener.
3: That number again is one 888 Pit.
4: Stan in Massachusetts is on the line dealing with some issues with the ceiling. Tell us what's going on.
3: I'm looking to get some advice about
2: a leak we received in our ceiling in our kitchen because of defective pipes that were installed going back 20 years now. We've had several leaks that have been repaired. We don't know whether to close up the ceiling tile or not. Concerned that the same pipe is in there, and it could be having a hairline crack at any point in time. So just not sure how to
3: proceed. Yeah, it sounds like it's a frustrating situation. I'm not quite sure what kind of pipe leaks you're talking about and whether it's something that is just representative of some general deterioration of your plumbing system. Like, for example, some homes in the country have these pinhole copper Uh, leak copper pipe. Uh, That's like
4: so common where I live. Yeah,
3: because of the acidity of water, it starts to develop really thin walls of the copper pipe. Sometimes holes in it, and those folks end up replacing those pipes. I always say, whenever the ceiling's open or the walls open, replace everything you can because eventually you have to replace all the plumbing. So I'm not really sure what kind of uh, plumbing problem you're talking about here, but generally speaking, you know, if you've not had a leak in in a few months then I would go ahead and close it up. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you at this point. If you tell me that this is a problem that uh, is just happening all over the place, uh, then maybe, you know, this is a different conversation. But if it's always leaking in this one place, maybe you should just open the ceiling up there once and for all and replace that piece of pipe in the area that's leaking, see what's going on. But that's kind of the way I would approach this.
4: Kathy in Michigan's on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I have a cinder block house, and um, it seems to peel kind of easy. And one side of the house where the water's
0: located, I seem to have rust spots coming through, but not from the inside, only the outside.
3: Okay. Do you have sprinklers? No. And the rust spots are on the inside, you say? Outside. I'm wondering where that rust is coming from, Leslie. I wonder if there are maybe some um, metal ties inside the block walls that could be releasing that rust.
4: It could be, because that does happen very commonly, and the cinder block does tend to be very hydroscopic, meaning it's going to just suck up all the water from the surrounding areas and just kind of hold on to it at times. So if there is any metal in that, you can see rusting.
3: So I think what you're going to need to do is to spot prime those rust areas and you need to use a good quality primer. I would use an oil-based primer, an oil-based exterior primer. Uh, After you sand those rust spots away, I would spot prime that with the oil-based primer and then put the top coat back on top of it. I think this is going to be a situation where you're going to have to manage uh, that paint job, Kathy, so that this doesn't get worse. And if you ever get ready to do the entire house, uh, then you would simply remove that old paint and then prime the entire surface. I think that would also do a good job of sealing in uh, any uh, rust spots that form.
4: Okay. I like that. I thank you.
3: Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
4: Well, plumbing can be noisy in general. Lots of noises come out of that plumbing system. But are your faucets part of the problem? Do they sound like they're crying out in pain every time you turn it on? A faucet that screams or squeals or whistles, it's super annoying, but there are actual reasons why this happens.
3: Yeah, now if you have hard water, you may have pipes that are too small, and in older homes, those pipes can become further restricted by the formation of scale or rust. And if that's the case, you're looking at a situation where you have to replace the pipes.
4: Yeah, and the noise may also be caused by a washer that's either the wrong size or it's not held securely to the stem. Replacing that washer or tightening it Should stop that noise. Now, if the faucet still makes noise, you want to check that washer seat. The seat can become partially closed with residue, and then the restricted water flow can cause whistling or chattering. If that's the case, you need to clean the seat of the faucet.
3: Now, for squealing sounds, sometimes the metal threads of the stem are just binding against the faucet's threads. So remove the stem and coat both sets of threads with petroleum jelly. That lubrication should stop the noise. Make the handle easier to turn and make it a heck of a lot more quiet around your house.
4: Now we're going to Gina. She's got a question about the heating at her home. What's going on? Okay, so I have a
0: rental property, two family, and I'm updating the boilers. It's um, gas. And I was going to go with the regular boilers, which are uh, 85% efficiency and um, keep it going through the chimney, or I was going to do the uh, combis uh I guess Loch and bar, and they're indirect. I guess they go outside.
3: Yeah, high efficiency direct boiler, right? Okay.
0: My plumber's kind of saying um that I should get liners in the chimney and keep yeah. the chimney hook up and the water heaters. Yep. Um and then I wouldn't get the rebates and I wouldn't get um, you know, the zero percent interest from mass um from national grid, Mass Save. However, the combis, um, they're saying that they need more maintenance. And that's what my problem is, that they they don't last as long, and they require more maintenance. So that's where I'm at.
3: I don't know if that's true, but is the combination boiler, the high-efficiency one, going to be a lot more expensive?
0: No, it's going to end up, after the rebates, it's going to end up the same amount of money.
3: And there's no no question in my mind at all, I would definitely go with the high efficiency. That's definitely the right thing to do.
0: The ones that have the combis, the ones that have the water heater.
3: The direct vent, yes, and direct vent system, yeah. I think that's really smart to do. And this way, because he's right, you you have an old house with an old chimney, you probably have to line it if you put even the 85% uh, new boiler in. And, uh, you know, listen, why continue with the old technology when the new technology is there? You have the opportunity to have rebates. Uh, It's probably being um, subsidized by the utility company, because generally they're a lot more expensive. That's what I thought you were going to say. But if they are uh, helping to keep those costs in line, I would definitely go high efficiency.
0: It definitely, it is more expensive, but after the rebates, it's the same.
3: That's what so, I mean. Yeah, because yeah, oh, okay. you have great rebates. Yeah. Okay. So I would definitely okay. take advantage of that. That's a good opportunity for you.
0: So you do, you haven't heard that they need more maintenance? The
3: um... No, no. Okay. And that's, okay. frankly, you know, we see we all the new equipment that comes out now, and that, to me, sounds like maybe a bit of a rumor, uh, and, but I, don't really think, I really don't think it's true. Sure, you know, they could break down like anything else. They're more mechanical than the basic systems, but they're high efficiency. So even if they do need a bit more maintenance or an occasional extra adjustment, I wouldn't worry about it. I would definitely do that and enjoy the efficiency. It's going to raise the value of your home, and it's also going to cost you less to heat it.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you. Laurelin writes in saying, I had a fiberglass door installed on a storage room, and it's clear the contractor didn't use a primer. Now, the paint on the door is scratched off due to bikes going in and out of that storage area. How do I correct this, and are there any options on how to get that paint to adhere better?
3: Yeah. So, when you have a fiberglass surface like that, this is a case where you really want to use what's called a high bond or a high adhesion primer. Uh, Kills has a new product out called Kills 3 which is such a primer, but what you want to do first is make sure if you've got any loose paint, you remove it. You can use a very fine sandpaper on that door. Even though it's fiberglass, you could use like a 400-grit paper on it or 600-grit paper on it. Just to scuff the surface, that will help the, the primer stick. But make sure that you get any loose material off because you can't put New paint over bad paint because it just—it's kind of like you know having a layer in between that's just not connected. Now, once you do that, you can um, add a good layer of that primer again. High bond, high adhesion primers. There are a number of different brands. We just have to know about the kills three uh, that works pretty well. And then once that dries, you can put a top coat on it. I would choose definitely a semi-gloss because it's going to have a little more durability, especially for that wear and tear that you described. Mother's Day is almost here.
4: All right, now we've got a question from Jenny who writes, Our downstairs neighbor is complaining of footsteps and noise. How can we soundproof our hardwood floor besides putting down a rug or a carpet? Would laminate make a difference? I mean, I don't know that laminate would make a difference unless there's some sort of super thick soundproofing underlayment that you put there with it. I mean, being an upstairs neighbor just means sometimes you're going to be noisy So area rugs really are kind of the best trick, especially in a high traffic area. Maybe don't use such a large one, but definitely put one in an area where you're going to make a lot of noise. I mean, just short of learning how to levitate, I don't know. You got to just learn how to walk more quietly. Yeah.
3: We had hardwood floors and we had a runner also in the hall. So it's not just the round area rugs. You could also have like a wool runner on anti-skid mat and that kind of quieted things down as well.
4: Oh, good idea. What about carpet on the bottom of the shoes?
3: (laughs) Well, when it comes to designing a new floor for your home, there are more options than you can imagine. And Leslie's got some ideas on how you can combine some of those flooring styles for a totally new look in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie?
4: Yeah, you know, a great flooring project really can enhance any room. So when it comes to the flooring, I like to use a product that's going to be super durable for the space that it's going in. But I also like to take it one step further. Once I pick my flooring material, I like to make sure that the planks of wood are available in different widths. Now, why do I do that? because I like to create a focal point within that space. Now this is gonna work very well in a foyer or in a hallway, anywhere you do have a little bit of open floor space that you're not gonna cover with an area rug because essentially what you're making is something that looks like a rug in the middle of the room, but it's all out of your same lumber material. Now, what I like to do is use a wider plank throughout and then I choose an inset area and then using even the exact same flooring finish material, but just a different width. So you can create an inset border and, you know, maybe it's a space that's three by five and then you do one plank that's a thinner width and on the interior of that three by five, maybe you put down a herringbone pattern. You know, you're creating essentially a rug, focal point, whatever you want to call it, but an area that's different special, and like totally unique in its own spot on the floor. And it really is great because just that little extra touch can change the whole look of that room, the whole look of the house, the vibe, the energy. So be creative and have some fun.
3: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up next time on the program. As long as there have been homes, there have been home repairs. But did you know the age of your home can give you a signal as to which repairs you should expect? We'll share tips on how you can figure out what that age really is on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
4: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Remember, you can do it yourself.
4: But you don't have to do it alone. You
2: live in a Money Pit.